Welcome to Missionary Roundtable with your host, Kale Horvath. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Missionary Roundtable, the podcast all about the Great Commission and international missions. Uh, today, we've got a regular returning guest. I try to do an episode with him every year on every season because he's um, a man who doesn't need an introduction in my life or on this podcast, Jeff Bartell, former senior pastor at First Baptist Church, current missionary pastor, also a former uh, 14-year missionary to the country of Albania. Um He's meant a lot to me in my life. He has discipled me in ministry, taught me how to be a missionary. He taught me how to preach. Um, And he is one of – there's only so many guys in my life that I know um, were missionaries who did it and did it successfully. Their ministries are still existent and thriving and growing. Um, I only have a few such men in my life, and so to be able to, you know, talk to Jeff – um, at any time is always a privilege. So I won't take too much time. I'm excited for you guys to listen to this one. Uh, not just about missions, but a lot of ministry uh, behind the scenes stuff here. I think you'll like it. So have a listen. Enjoy. Jeff, thanks again, man, for joining me. You've been a regular um, every season. I Maybe it has to do with because um, we know each other, but I appreciate uh being able to exploit our previous relationship for a free podcast episode every season. <laughs> yeah, no, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you inviting me. I, I hope it's not just because you have a limited list of friends. I'm not sure how that works out, but uh, I'm glad to it's, be it's a part, part of, of it. it. It's part of it. Um, yeah. Is it because you're interesting or is it because, well, <laughs> we've exhausted the uh, options. You know, Let's get you down at the bottom of the bucket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but seriously, uh, at the recording of this episode, cause I don't know when it'll come out in the summer. Um, I was just in Albania with you a couple weeks ago and since yeah, fun. we left for the field in the end of 2020, it's, I mean, it's not like we get to hang out very often. That was the second time that I've seen you in person. So, so that was right. fun. Um, but I was in Albania because you guys were celebrating 30 years of ministry, uh, in Albania since you went there in 92, I believe. 92, yeah, that would be um, 30 years ago. To right. start the first church, and so there's, since then, there's, well, you tell it. There's three churches, they're planning a fourth, I believe. Yeah, so the ministry has really grown and expanded, praise the Lord. So I went in 1992, um, uh, on my own, I was a bachelor as the story went. I might've shared this before, married my translator, my wife now, had a couple of kids, raised a family there, lived there for 14 years until 2006. When I left, we had successfully planted a second church. So we had two churches by the time I left. Since I've been gone, the 16 years since I've been gone, the, the pastor has continued. The, the, mm-hmm. the guy that was my assistant, um, Taldant Kretzi is his name, continues. So he's been pastor there longer than I was, which is cool. That's crazy. And, isn't it? Well, you've um, been in the States now longer than you were in Albania. Yeah, now longer wow. than I was in Albania. That hurts my feelings a little. <laughs> but uh, but it's cool. And um, anyways, they have since ordained and, and started a third church. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second church in Duras, Albania, where we Cezanne. I was a part of that, Cezanne's church, they are in the process of, of planting another church, which would be the fourth one. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, they also ordained and sent an Albanian national and his family as a missionary to the country of Turkey. Um, so actually, that's the fifth ministry, uh, independent ministry, can we since say, then can in we this past that? year. Is that, is that okay? 
Yeah, when I was saying his name. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was just, a, right. just right. an Albanian guy okay. who's in Turkey. So There's a lot of those. If I need to. No, that's cool. All right. <laughs> yeah, no, they can. They won't hunt him down. All right, all right. <laughs> and uh, his initials are. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna. It doesn't matter. Um, in the last year, my brother-in-law and his wife have taken on an enormous project mm-hmm. of translating the Bible into the Albanian language. That's a whole nother conversation, but I, it, I just but interviewed Arion on it as an update for it. So okay. Well, great. Season. So that'll be covered of its own. And um, then Martin, and now th- I yeah, just, and, I just and, interviewed him too. So we got Albanians. Oh, out, you got a lot of these out various the things covered. For yeah, this Cause season. there's a yeah, lot of great yeah. things. So, so by the time you add them all up, there's three churches, a fourth one, a missionary, a Bible translator, and a brand new initiated guy about to start a new yeah. mission in Kosovo. So that's seven independent ministries um, that are that have branched out mm-hmm. from what we began in the former atheist little black hole <laughs> of of gospel witness. You know, the yeah. country of Albania in 1992. So. Well, and so so we just said that you've been in the states now longer than you were in Albania, 14 years in Albania, 16 years now in the States. Yeah. And um, so what was it like? Now you go back almost every year. So, I mean, you're you're going back preaching conferences or just seeing family and friends. But what was it like for you? I asked Martin this question, you know, but different perspectives. What was it like for you as the the Paul to this ministry, the the father of the ministry, um, now that you've been gone for so long, but to come back, see not see for the first, you, you know, it's been thriving, but to see where they're at now, all those years later, even after you've been long gone, um, what, what, what was that like just emotionally for you? What was going through your head when you were uh, just at that celebration, taking it all in? Yeah. Well, it's just that's very the goal rewarding. for a missionary, right? I mean, it's like if, yeah, if the Lord tarries sure. in 30 years, that's what I want. It's Listen, continuing fruit that remains. The absolutely the, the Albanian, brothers and sisters are just obviously some of the dearest, closest friends that I have in the world. They're the kindest people. I love them to death. They are my family. Um, they have always treated me with more honor and respect. And I, I, I say this and I mean it than I deserve. They, <laughs> they've always, you know, just given me so much love and and every time I've gone back and I and I've averaged going back once every year sometimes I've gone a couple times a year and COVID I missed a little bit there but about a time I've been at least 16 times in the last 16 years Mm -hmm. and so I'm aware of how they're doing but you know in 16 years like all the families that had newborn babies their teenagers graduating high school now and they got a whole bunch of whole slew of new kids in other words in the past year by year when I would go back and visit the, the feel of it was different because back then it was much more about, hey, Jeff's back. Hey, Jeff's back. And there would be, sounds weird for me to say it, but it's true. There would be this long line of people like after a Sunday morning service or something mm. that would like be waiting to just greet me and say, hey, and you know, it hadn't at least been just that ex- long since, since you had left. Yeah. But this time, man, it was really weird. I mean, it's slowly this, this change has been happening and I count it as joy. I do. Mm-hmm. The line of people waiting to talk to me is shortening, which means there there is vibrant life that has nothing to do with me anymore. New people and I, who don't, I think that's they only exciting. know you by name, sure. Yeah, they, you know, Grandpa Jeff, I've heard about him, whatever. That's the guy. Oh, the American. His Albanian's pretty good. He's got a funny accent, whatever. Okay. Um, he seems nice. 
other people are talking to him, I'm not going to wait. Gotcha. Like, I, I don't have, there's a, there's an ever growing list of people I don't really know. Mm-hmm. I don't have relationships with. That wasn't the case early on. Everybody I went back, I knew everybody. I saw everybody. I could catch up with everybody. Um, they've, they've moved on and are serving the Lord, how they're doing it in various ways that obviously I'm not directly involved with. So to me, truly at this stage of my life, it's a joy. It's a huge joy. I love, I, you know, me, I, I have a hard time receiving a lot of focus and attention and compliments and all that stuff. It's just, it just hits me weird. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time when they're that overly nice and kind and honoring. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I can, if, if I were allowed to just kind of sit in the corner and smile, seeing what God's doing and they'd leave me the heck alone, like that would, I would like that. Now that's never going to fully happen because there's always, they're always going to treat me great sure, and sure. make me get up and say something with a microphone or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's, it sure is trending that way. There's less and less people worrying about who I am. Uh-huh. And I just, I just dig it. I think it's fantastic. That's cool. Uh, and just to like the, the things that they're doing now through their church expansions, I have nothing to do with any of it. Yeah. The fact that I can just think that having initiated the beginning of it mm-hmm. impacted the continuation, mm-hmm. man, well, praise the Lord. Yeah. That's awesome. No, I Yuck. could, I could even see like, the first time I went was with you in like 2015, I think. It, it was a while ago now. And uh, yeah. I've, I've been there a few times. I think this was my fourth time because I've been there twice this year, actually. I mean, it's it's a shorter flight That's for me, funny. man. I just got to fly yeah, over to Serbia. Now. It's an hour. They need to call you for those conferences now. Yeah. I'm tired of making that long trip. I'm it's, getting it's, older. I'm it's an hour flight over the mountains of Serbia. It's not too <laughs> bad if, if you can get the direct flight. Um, so I, I've, I've told Cezanne those guys, like, no, I'm, I'm going to make it a point to visit you guys more because it's really not that hard for me to get here. Um, yeah, you could weekend, literally do but, a you know, weekend or once whatever, twice yeah. a year for sure. I've already done it twice this year. Um, but I've even like met new people that, you know, when I've always asked them when someone comes up to me, I don't know, like, OK, so when did you start coming? And it was always like, oh, you know, in 2004 or something, you know. But dude, this this past trip, I met people in the Tirana church is like, oh, you know, 2017, 2018. And I'm like, oh, so. Right. I don't. I actually don't know you. I'm used to people saying, "Oh yeah, no, I'm, I I met you. I saw you." I back remember in, when you came. The yeah, first time, and yeah. you were 24, or whatever. Like I, but but now it's like, oh, I actually don't know you, and you don't know me, and you're just introducing yourself. That's that's really cool. That's really awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was very. I mean, it was it was a special celebration, the 30 year thing, because oh, although, as you know, it was kind of a marathon, and not <laughs> understanding the language, I can I sympathize with you enduring like that three well, I, hour I didn't sit in the chair the whole time. No, I was, I was in and out <laughs> it would have been horrible. chatting with people. That You're, been really not tough. all of your people were in there the whole time. They, <laughs> they were going in and out. Oh, I know. The, well, the place was packed. But it was, it was awesome, hot yeah. in there. But, but they tried to do a concise summary. And, and this is what I appreciated about it. It was, it was not about, you know, what did Jeff do or what did anybody do? It really was, what has the Lord done? Yeah, well, you and can tell that really in the video was a celebration that they played, of what, what the, the Lord has show. done. Yeah. And so, you know, that was a joy for me, obviously. It was a joy because I got to be a part of it, the, you know, the very beginning, mm-hmm. um, kind of like you are now. You're, you're trying to start something from the very beginning. And so on the front end, there's dark days. It's hard. Sure. It's lonely. But, you know, you got to stick to it. And you got to do it right. And you got to build the foundation right. And you got to make sure the doctrine is right so mm-hmm. that when you get generations outward, 
you know, they're not straying into, you know, crazy land. Yeah. And uh, you, stuff you like that. So these guys are doing good. Foundation. You, I was just telling, uh, I think it was Will. I think it was Will Lyon I was, I was doing an interview with. And we were talking about, you know, I was asking him about those foundational years and how things just seem like they're moving too slow. But, but like, remember when we, we built the Next Gen Center at FBC? And it, like, took yeah. forever to get that project off the ground from planning to, you know, prepping the land, testing the land even. We'd come drill holes and see, you know, how if the dirt was good right. enough, which is a great biblical parallel that, you know, preachers yeah, shouldn't yeah. start talking about. <laughs> but, you know, then, you know, digging, excavating, digging, pouring the footers, that takes so long. But then once the footers were in and they started putting the poles up, it went up fast. It started going. So it's yep. like you just you got to spend the time, man. And that's what I keep reminding myself as we continue to just press on nose to the grindstone is like you have to get the foundation right. It doesn't it doesn't actually matter. And people are watching it you. Takes. It's not even just the fact that you're teaching the people sound doctrine and right principles. It's also just how you're living your life in the midst of the challenges you're living mm-hmm. through. And they're watching you do it. Yeah. Because they're also making value judgments on your living out of what you're saying you believe sure. as to whether or not you really mean it may have a huge impact on whether they decide if they're going to really mean it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Absolutely. I, I'll i share this briefly only because we it, it's public. We shared it in, in a prayer newsletter. Um, but we um, – wife is pregnant right now, praise God. But we did, we did yeah. have a, a miscarriage earlier in the year. Um, first time for us, and it was a little rough and unexpected sure. because it was it was a I forget the name of it, but it, it's it's like a lost twin syndrome kind of thing. Um, you have twins oh, and you I lose see. one, but we didn't know we had twins, so we like found out in the same breath that you have twins, but you lost one, and and that was that was hard. It was a whirlwind of emotions because like sure. you're grieving, but you're also there's still a baby in there, and so you're not as sad as you, maybe you should be, and then and then you're you're like, you feel guilty. It's like, maybe I should be more sad. So it was just a weird, a weird thing. And so what did we do? We don't have a church family here yet. Of course we contacted our friends in our church back home to pray, but you know what we do have, we've got a few saved people and we've got plenty of friends here, um, that, that we hang out with all the time. So we, we texted them, Hey, this is what happened. Would you, would you pray for us? And, and dude, we, we have people who, who don't know the Lord, who are like watch, like you said, just watching how a Christian grieves and reacts to storms in life, and then they're yeah. like, "Man, I don't know how to pray, but I am, I am, I'm trying, I'm praying for you and the baby." And um, yeah, it's already that's, been that's awesome sweet, to see God work. Yeah, that's all a sweet together. side effect of a of a tough situation. Yeah, you but don't you're wish right. for if it, you'll but live, God uses it. If you'll, yeah, if you if you'll live your life, kind of within reason, openly. Mm-hmm. And let others in, let the people in where you live, let them, let them help you. Yeah. Let them be the ones that help you when you have a real need or whatever the might, whatever it might be, whether it's emotional, like you just mentioned, or it could be at some point, it could be physical or financial well, or even whatever. And it was I mean, physical for a second too, because whenever it happened, we didn't know what was happening yet. Um, but the, right. the doctor was like, you need to be on bed rest for 10 days. Like, don't get up. And Brooke's like, well, I can right. like walk and take my son to school. No. And I was like, uh, <laughs> what? No, no, I, I still have to work stuff and stuff. So it was, it was a crazy two weeks, but then, you know, one of these, one of the sweet girls who's one of Brooke's best friends, she's a younger girl, like she, I think she's 20 now. And she's like immediately, Hey, I'm coming over tomorrow. I'm going to make you dinner. I'm going to do, I'm going to help you with the laundry. So Kayla doesn't have to do the laundry. I mean, it was just like, like we right. have real friendships here that, you know, and it's, 
yeah. That's a huge impact. Yeah, well, well, praise the Lord that some good can come out of that. I'm sorry, obviously, Amen. that was a tough situation for your family, but I can I can only imagine it hasn't ever happened to me, but I, obviously as a pastor, you counsel a lot of people. But yeah, the, the bittersweet reaction that that had to have been that, while you want to grieve, am I grieving not enough? But at the same time, I don't want to diminish that I actually have joy because we still have a life yeah. growing. It's it's a strange you know, and, balance. Yeah, you're in a straight betwixt too, but you know the probably yeah, yeah. the coolest thing that was said before I move on is that so Brooke, you know of you know of the two of us, you think Brooke would be the most broken up, but she um, just had this really deep thought that it isn't that deep, but it was it, it was just it's what I needed to hear at the time, and um, you know she said something to the effect of, you know, God's in the business of bringing life from death. And if, if our, if any of our lost friends get saved because of, you know, this baby um, going home to be with the Lord, then it's worth it, you know? And so to hear her say yeah. that was like such a wow. huge thing for me. That's a um, very mature statement. That's yeah. a tough thing yeah, for a man, mom I mean, who she, just experienced it. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely no made doubt. me feel convicted, but, um, but no man, seriously, yeah. that's, we've been seeing, good things. So uh, what I would like to talk about for a little bit here is that uh, a super interesting part of your story now is that as of today, you are, in, as of beginning of this year, I think, you are no longer the senior pastor at FBC. I am no longer the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in New Philadelphia, Ohio. Which, that's true. That's actually, was that official? Uh, uh, that's a year old. That was back at Seriously? like the end of How long April. Of last year, so yeah, you're a little out of touch. Really, man. April um, of last year? Yeah, Dang, it was the okay. end of April is when the vote was. It was probably Official. a few it's weeks ago. It's been a long ago. time in the making. Well, it's been right? a month or so ago. We actually announced that you know Troy had been officially voted in a year ago. Wow. Um, it was when I was sick. I was in the hospital when all hey, that, that was went, last went down. You're right. Okay. So it was yeah. Last April is when I had the surgery that kind of went south, and I had some trouble there. Mm-hmm. And um, during that time, we had just made the announcement that I'm resigning and, and Troy was the guy that they need to vote for. And mm-hmm. we gave them a few weeks to pray and they voted. And so by the end of April, around the 1st of May, uh, they voted him in. So it's been over a year. He's got a solid year in now, which means I've got a solid year into my new job description. Although the first couple of months, I was almost on bed rest recovering yeah, from that whole sure. health that ordeal. Health thing. So it wasn't until the summer, in the middle or later of the summer, so I'm I'm looking down the, down almost a year of you know well, exercise and that's what I want to start with for those who are you know maybe not in our fellowship listening or in our fellowship but are like well I didn't even know you weren't the pastor there you know they, they don't <laughs> you know not everybody tracks New Philly you know news yeah, why would they? you know keeps up on the New Philly updates um, great metropolis yeah, yeah right right um, but it's kind of weird when a senior pastor resigns and doesn't leave. You don't see that doesn't too often. Leave. Um, so, I ain't leaving. So I, what I would love I ain't you to leaving. do. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> because you're going to stay and micromanage, right? That, that was... The, <laughs> yeah. But but so seriously, yeah, though, if you could back up a little bit and explain this move or what God was doing in your heart, your life, and, and Troy, of course, what was God doing in your heart, in your life, and even maybe your vision for FBC that made you start considering this move? Yeah, for sure. Well, it's kind of interesting because it ends up tying into um, what you previously asked me about with my little 30 year, you know, celebration in Albania. I was asked to, you know, do my part of the summarizing of the early years. Mm -hmm. And as I was constructing that little conversation, I was reminded to emphasize to the church there that 
I've always tried to live with a certain principle, ministry principle in my life. And, and it's, it goes something like this. Oh, this is going to be good. Do... Get, your, get your pens and get your pencils <laughs> out, man. This is, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is the gold dripping from the lips of <laughs> former senior pastor. Okay. Whatever. Um, no, I only do what only you can do. That's mm. just kind of been a principle that's guided what I have chosen to do with my life and ministry. So in other words, whatever I'm involved in needs to be something that that I'm uniquely qualified. Now, I, it's a great big world. A lot of people can do a lot of things. Sure. But in my, you know, in, in the little bubble of the world you live in, in your little corner of the world, I want to be uniquely qualified to do what I do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I was coming up through my 20s and being trained and groomed and Decatur Baptist Church in North Alabama no, back in the no, day. Don't say groomed. It has a negative connotation nowadays. You know, you got to... Oh, you know. sorry. I'm, I'm out of touch. <laughs> sorry, Anyways, sorry. Because I was being no prepared time for, for jokes. ministry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. Younger people can laugh. I won't even know why. It's okay. <laughs> um, so the idea is that, you know, I was teaching middle school ministry as a layman, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then the missionary thing, I was really on my heart. Make a long story short, when Albania opportunity popped up, I was like, well, of course I need to do that. Anybody here at the church could replace me and do middle school ministry. It's not like it's that difficult as long as, so I had other guys that worked with me on our ministry team. Mm -hmm. And one of those guys just stepped up and took the lead. No problem at all. It was seamless. So I go to Albania. Why? Because nobody's going to Albania. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then the devoted the, you know, the significant portion of my young adult energetic, you know, ministry life Mm -hmm. to doing what we previously discussed. And so why did I leave Albania? Well, I left Albania because by the early 2000s, it was becoming apparent that the Albanian men that we were working with and trained and, and ordaining and setting in place and that they were fully capable of doing all the things I was doing. So I began to work towards them actually fully understanding how to handle all the responsibilities that I had as a senior pastor there in Tirana. And uh, when it became obvious that every, every level of quality, not just, you know, Bible exposition and teaching, but we had discipleship and Bible school and, yeah, you know, yeah. Institute training and, and all of the various outreaches and con- all of that. annual conferences and inviting people and hosting and, and running all these kind of things. Um, these guys were doing it all. And I realized that, you know, as we so often say with missions, you know, I, I would say that the goal is to work yourself out of a job, get other people to do what you can do. And then you go do it somewhere else. Now the model of how you choose to do that, that's up to you. I'm not trying to, I was going to ask you, if you don't mind, did you, did you consider, um, staying and moving to a different city at all and going to plan another church? Was it, was that a process or it was, did God it was make a it pretty consideration. Clear? Okay. It was a consideration. So there were there were three basic options without boring anybody with the details. Well, because um, you didn't you either... didn't move back to the states to pastor FBC. Some people might just think that, but there was like a I don't know a year or two in between you moving yeah. back. It, it wasn't like you moved back to the states so that you could be the pastor of First Baptist. Yeah, I wasn't offered that job or anything. Yeah, you, I didn't leave to yeah. come back and take that job or anything. Mm-hmm. No. So for me, there was three. There were three options. Mm-hmm. Either. It, the, only, the only thing that wasn't an option was kind of what I'm doing now. Stay in Tirana <laughs> and, and you know, stay in the church that I just well, resigned he, from. He, I couldn't do that. He there. needed, the Albanian pastor needed to take the reins and you needed to step out. So he And the it. church needed to give him that freedom. Mm. 
if I was, you know, as the initiating founding pastor, yeah. if I'm sitting in the That's back row. That's a little row, different than just a former senior pastor. Whatever decision he would make, the whole church would look over their shoulder like, yeah, but what does Jeff think? Gotcha. Um, that's not the case at First Baptist here at this point, for sure. Anyways, back then, the only thing I couldn't do was stay in Tirana. But I could have gone to another city sure. and started something new. Um, and st so I could have stayed in Albania. I could have moved to a different country that has Albanians, the bordering countries around Albania, mm -hmm. like Kosovo. Yeah, like Martinez. Has Albanians. Mm -hmm. That's that's an option. Uh, that was something we considered. There was an, uh, there was another option to move to a different, more major European city like Budapest, for example, mm -hmm. which is a good modern, it's Eastern Europe, but it's, it's modern. Mm -hmm. And so you could use it as a ministry hub. A lot of uh, large independent ministry organizations have base sure. in Budapest. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, somewhere like that or somewhere in Germany or England or whatever to stay mm -hmm. on the continent but, you know, manage some ministry function that didn't seem to make sense or go back to the States and, and still support the Albanian ministry from here in whatever fashion and, uh, and do something else. At the end of the day, we chose to come back to the States. We went to the Atlanta area mainly for the idea to be involved in church planting. I've always been interested in seeing new churches started. Not, I never wanted to take just the, uh, the role of a leader of an existing church. Ironically, that's what I ended up doing. But I was in Atlanta for about two and a half years before the opportunity in New Philadelphia called me and I, you know, I, they asked me if I would consider it. And I actually told them, I'm not interested. I'll talk to you, I'll help you find the right guy, but yeah. I'm not interested. Anyways, God had a different plan and I came here. Okay, well, I, let's circle back to the whole first question you asked me is, you know, why? Yeah. Well, the principle of only do what only you can do. I mean, I, there was. It's not like somebody else couldn't have pastored this church. But there were uh, a they lot were of without fires a pastor for out. about a year. Yeah. You. There was but a there were some very on. right. There was a lot of there was a, there was turmoil. Mm -hmm. um, there was some trouble and and and, and our church had been without a somebody. pastor for a year or two at that point. So you know, yeah. If any church year, goes over, over goes through that, it, it's not easy to go without a senior yeah. pastor for a year or so. So they definitely needed somebody who could come in and um, handle, you know, that challenge. And and I didn't desire it. It wasn't sure. all wonderful. You're not like, yeah, all right, I'll take it on. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been called, you know, a fighter at at times. I guess I get into all scraps with people from time to time, but it's never who likes it. Like, right. you know, I'm never gonna pick a fight. I'm never, hopefully never going to run from one. I mean, mm. but I don't, I'm not going to pick a fight. Like I, who wants to live like that? You know, I'm going to live in peace and harmony too. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, there was some, there was some real needs for some strong leadership to come in and make some decisions, some hard decisions mm -hmm. and to keep this church pointed in the direction that historically always had. And that was sound biblical doctrine and discipleship and strategy of ministry and philosophy of training and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So there was a very unique slot where I saw my experience matching the need that I could jump in and do it. And um, so so I chose to do it. And we, th praise the Lord, we went through some tough times, but man, God has blessed this church and done some great things. And we got a lot of things lined out and it's very healthy. It got very healthy and, and the church was doing great. Um, and people are growing and, you know, the ministries are, flourishing and all these things are happening. And, and I just started thinking that, okay, well, now that it's going great, 
maybe some up somebody else who's actually better at, I mean, certainly skilled at expository preaching. So we found the right guy for sure, mm -hmm. but much better at, you know, the administrative and even maybe even vision casting. I don't know, but, but the details of continuing to push forward an existing healthy church mm. to grow even further. I, I just felt like that's, that's not what I need to be doing. That's mm. not, I've, I've, I've done what I came here to do. Now let me go do something else mm -hmm. that currently is weak and could use some more work and more attention. And so our idea, Troy and I together, um, was that he would take over the role as the senior pastor. And it's a longer story, but at the end of the day, I was willing to leave because who wants the old senior pastor hanging around mm -hmm. and making it weird for everybody? Mm -hmm. uh, I was willing to move on. And actually, he pitched for me to stay. Would you be willing to stay and do what you want to do here? Why do you have to leave? It would be a great help to me if you would hang around and, and I was, I was honored that he even said that and began to seriously, at the beginning, I didn't even have that in my plan mm -hmm. uh, because I didn't want to get in his way. Kind of like I did with Taulant sure. and Tirana. And so um, I began to perfectly consider that. And it, it really made sense that that could work great. And it only works great because, well, Troy's such a great guy and he's not intimidated and I'm not going to get in his way. Lord mm -hmm. knows. And um, well, you've been doing so this far again. You, you know, yeah. How to year not down get the road, Yeah, I'd say that we're doing we're doing great. Mm -hmm. I I think so. If there's trouble out there, I'm unaware <laughs> of it. I think it's going great. Well, and that actually leads uh, me to the next question I had. It was just okay. So what what is your job now? What is uh, uh, I I know it's you know first year kind of evolving and finding yourself. But what yeah. what is the plan and and what you uh, desire to yeah, do? Yeah. So I mean, I'm learning how to flesh it out best and balance my new you know, responsibilities, but I, you know, given a title, um, typically I'm referred to as the missions pastor, um, which, you know, again, as an old missionary guy, yeah, um, default. that's this, well, it's the, but it's just the joy of my life. Sure. Like it's the, it's the, it's the heartbeat of my soul. I just love missions and, and being able to facilitate seeing guys like you get mobilized. Mm -hmm. And and even more, and so part. And we've got and some guys in with, the shoot back there at FBC too. We so, do, and yeah. and so part and parcel of that is also, you know, the extended higher levels of of Bible training, and so, you know, we do an in-house version of our own Bible Institute, mm -hmm. and we've always I've always wanted to do that, and we've cooperated with other churches, and that's been great, and that's been a great blessing to First Baptist Church, mm -hmm. but. The more that we can teach directly ourselves as pastors of this church to our people, I just think it's better, and Troy agrees. And so what we want to do is be able to do more of that, but as the senior pastor pre preparing and studying every week, it's it's almost impossible. Mm -hmm. Like I, It's really hard to run a Bible Institute out of your church if you don't have somebody dedicated to that. Mm -hmm. leader leading that effort at least and so that's a big part of what i do as well is is heading up the higher level bible training education so uh, missions and education so are like my main yeah two. missions and, and uh, leadership training for yeah so for, you're taking the guys who already have been responding well to discipleship right. they're involved in ministry D1, but they D2. want more they're dreaming yeah. 
they want to be a missionary. They want to be a pastor. They want to be sent out someday that what do I have to do? Well, now I've got 30 years of experience in doing it in various levels as a stateside senior pastor, as a field church planning pioneer, you know, missionary type guy. Okay. I've kind of seen various sides of the coin and I've learned some things along the way. So I can kind of be a mentor and a coach and develop the strategic structure of how we're going to get these guys in and out yeah. of here and successfully planted to start start new things in other places. And and when I was preaching every Sunday, I could never pull that off. Sure. And because of my missions background, like this is not this is not the job description that would best suit Troy, for example. Why didn't I just stay the senior pastor and let Troy do this? Mm-hmm. Well, because of my missions background. That's mm-hmm. why. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm older. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, Troy's younger. He's got more energy to handle Less fuel. the daily stresses <laughs> the of yeah. running. And I think it's better for the church. It's, sure. It is. Troy's a solid decade and that's younger the, than that's I am. The key I mean, it's better too. for the yeah. church. What, what is better for the body? Sure, sure. And not, not in yeah, a bad way, so, not in a negative way. But like, you know, there. I have heard you say this before. Um, that there are some guys who they they duck out or they retire or whatever way past when they should have. Now, whether that, you know, we're not reading into it, it's an individual basis. Did they do it for the money? Did they do it? Because, you know, most pastors don't have a lot of money. It's like maybe they need it, the yeah. income. But it's like, man, you... It's kind of like, you remember the Brett Favre thing way back in the day? I know Brett Favre's kind of old now, but it's like <laughs> yeah. he retired, unretired, yeah. retired, unretired. It's like he ended up doing stints in like New York and Minnesota. And it's like, my guy, this would have been a lot better if you would have just went out on top with Green Bay. Like, <laughs> Yeah. You yeah, know, so like you I, I feel like money, it's right? it's a little bit of like self-awareness too that like, it's, it's, it's not like go. there's nothing left in the tank, but as the senior pastor, it's like, could I do this for another five more years? Sure. But like, I think that's interesting that you were trying to look out not just what's best for you, but what is best for the body. Listen, it's, it's been said, I don't know how accurate it is, but it, it tends to make good common sense that, you know, any individual and their method of communication. So the senior pastor is the primary Bible communicator every week, right? Mm -hmm. So typically your method of construction of messages and the way you communicate them and the way you think through the logical progression of stuff, face it, it's, it's going to speak more to the people who are closer to your age. Like typically they'll say for a senior pastor that you're going to communicate more effectively to people who are about 20 years younger or older than you. That's your bracket. Hmm. So if you go 20 down and 20 up, those are the people who are really going to relate to what it is you're saying. You go beyond that, and it's just harder I didn't know that. for the people to really connect. So, you know, so now I'm 60. I mean, it's, so that's why go, we typically don't have 50-year-old youth pastors, though. I mean, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> so if you go 60, well, that's 40 to 80. If you go mm-hmm. 50, that's 30 to 70. That's your adult population. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Um, again, this is not a rule for anybody else. This is just the mm-hmm. stuff that I process. I'm not trying to, you know, judge anybody else's choice, but yeah. I just felt like it was better for the church. I felt like it was the right thing for me in my life. And, 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 and I just thought it was, I thought it was strategic also, because again, how is your, what is your identity? This is, this was actually an issue, Kale, that I, that I wrestled with that I probably have never talked about before. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't even know to ask me. Breaking news. But what, yeah, once again, don't get the pencils out or nothing, but whatever. Um, you heard it here, folks, what, on Missionary Roundtable. What, what is your identity in Christ tied to? 
Mm. In other words, is it tied to the job title that you have? Mm. Like if you're a senior pastor, that's in our world of really emphasizing the importance of a local church that's not a part of some hierarchy right. organization, some that's denominational top, organization, like, that it's the top, you like it. you've reached it. And if it's been a successful church, if it's been a church that is spiritually walking with the Lord and has people that are growing and has resources to reach out and affect other areas of the world, et cetera, et cetera, well, it just doesn't get any better than that. Like to mm. do anything else, some guys might judge as like backsliding mm. or whatever. Um, or you could judge it the way I judge it. And, and that is that, look, a role is just a role. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you just, you fulfill a role. You do whatever it is you think the Lord has for you to do to have influence with people, to make the best of your skill set, opportunity, um, need. You know, the, the Lord calls you to a work, not to a title, not to a location. We talk about that in missions, Acts 13, stuff mm -hmm. like that. He calls you to do a specific work. There was a work that needed to be done to complement the picture of what we're trying to do at First Baptist Church, and somebody needed to do it. Mm -hmm. I saw that I could do it best by not having the, the weekly responsibility of being the primary leader of this church body. And, and thank the Lord, he brought Troy along to be a part of our team to, to mm -hmm. be able to take that responsibility in a very seamless, smooth manner. Troy can easily make his own executive decisions to to turn and make changes as he sees fit. And, and I'll be, I'll be the first one to support him in it. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But there's a work that needs to continue to go on. And if the job description is different and, and now I'm sitting here talking to you in my, my new office is way smaller than my old office. It's in the like, back by the bathrooms too. So that's where I'm located. <laughs> it's short, short of being adjacent to the bathroom. The rest of those circumstances are actually really great. I love being in the back of the office. It's real quiet. Uh, everybody leaves me alone. I can study a lot, you know, whatever. It's fun. But again, I don't care about the size of my office. I don't yeah. care. But there are guys who do. About the yeah. size of my paycheck. I don't care about the job title on my business cards. Mm -hmm. I don't care about, care about those things. I want to be effective for the Lord in whatever role that is. And I've tried to prove that through my life in various ways. And this is just the next step. So mm -hmm. No, that's um, cool, it is unusual for a guy to step down from being the senior pastor and stick around. And yeah. there's a lot of good reasons why he probably mm -hmm. shouldn't stick around. In our situation, it, be. Sure. it just works out good. That's and cool. until something changes, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Well, and I will say this, dude, because I, I want to, that's a great transition into the, the, the other thing that I want to talk about before our time is up. But I will say that, um, so when you came, there were a lot of fires that needed to be put out because our church was without a pastor for so long and, and you know, just things that come with that. Um, long time ago, doesn't matter now, but there was just a lot of stuff that took a long time to uh, figure out, get through, recover from. I mean, it just took a while to get through them, but there, there are a lot of obvious things that I think we can look at and see that, like, God used Jeff to do this at FBC, but as a lifer, you know, if anyone's listening, like, I, I grew up in that church. I was born there, you know, nursery all the way up to being sent out when I was 30, um, and so, like, that, that church isn't just my sending church. That's my family. Like, it means a, a lot to me, um, and so Pastor Mark Trotter, uh, the late Mark Trotter, was my pastor from a child up until I was about 16 or 17. 
Um, and then when, when he left, there was about a year gap. And then Jeff came um, when I was about 18 or so, 18 or 19. And so my, my childhood pastor was Mark Trotter and my, my adulthood pastor was you. And when I look at the things that Mark did great and, and, and our church was centered on, and Mark did huge things for our church too. He was there a long time. And there were Man. things that I've been told, because I wasn't around, but I've been told by older guys that, like, that Mark came and the passion that he had for the book Guys like Frank Pardue were there back to then too, bringing discipleship in the 90s. There were key things that God used Mark Trotter to do in our church at that time, even though FBC is 160-some years old and has been by the book for since the, the beginning. But there are things that God used you to do too that weren't just putting out fires. And one of the big things that I see as a lifer was our church began to look at missions differently because you were the former missionary. Now we did missions yeah. and we gave to missions and we sent out missionaries, but we didn't always knew, know what we were doing. And that's coming from a kid who was just watching. I wasn't an adult yeah. back then, um, yeah. but just looking. And, and I, I don't know that I would have become a missionary or considered it if you wouldn't have come to our church. And I'm not saying that just to blow smoke at you. Cause you know, we, we don't do that. Like <laughs> you and I, I mean, yeah, we're, no, we're not we guys that, that just give out random compliments, but seriously, man, I wanted to be a pastor since I was 16, I tell people that all the time. Before you came, I wanted to be a pastor. And when you came, I remember asking, I was a nobody. I was just a kid. And I remember, I don't know when or where, I just remember telling you, hey, I'm one of the guys who would like to be a pastor someday. What should I do? There used to be this thing called shepherd school. Now there's nothing. <laughs> and you're like, you told me you're just going to have to be patient. We'll get there, I promise. And, and so I was. But I never considered missions. I always just wanted to be a pastor. And so your passion for missions and your um, experience and your, it doesn't matter because missions was your life for so long. When you could, you took over this church, that was part of your identity and it became a part of our identity. And so you brought in more missionaries. We started supporting more missions and started doing more in strategic ways. And um, I just, Seriously, I mean, I think God brought you to FBC for many reasons, but one of which was I, I think it, it was helping me to find what God wanted me to do. So that was a long rant yeah, well, to praise, say thank you. Praise, no, praise the Lord for that. And I there's mean, other guys in our church day, that are in the shoot that, that I'm sure would say the same thing. Absolutely, and we're excited for the day that, you know, that they actually get out the door and land in their new location and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But for sure, guys that are dreaming that way, look, Certainly, First Baptist Church had done a lot for world evangelism long before course, I showed up. But, but you're right. It, there's just something different about having somebody with some firsthand knowledge to be able to explain things that way. I don't blame American pastors for not understanding foreign missions that well. You can't know unless you've done it. That's what I've There's learned. just some things, I mean, you can be sympathetic and there are some very unique American pastors who really have worked at mm -hmm. being very understanding. I have some friends who are in that category, but it's not the norm. Uh, normally American pastors have American pastoral mindset and they're all about the gospel and ministry and they're about funding and, and holding people accountable and, and doing certain, and they're good things. But the real understanding of what day-to-day -day life is like, you just need to open a window on that to people. Mm -hmm. you, you have to be able to expose them 
to what the reality really is. And to me, it was the idea of demystifying it mm -hmm. because the typical American thinks, wow, those missionaries, those guys are either they think that missionaries are really special, like mm -hmm. God really blessed you. You got an extra spiritual chromosome that other people didn't get or so that you could do they or they just think you're weird biggest loser doofuses <laughs> ever yeah that yeah. you couldn't handle life in the fair. u.s which is sometimes a fair accusation but you know what though, dude, you, you you obviously brought the experience but also just from me watching you from afar you because missions was a part of your identity, it just was always coming out of you. Like you didn't preach a message where missions didn't come out somehow. And I never went to a missions conference until you came to our church and you're like, we're going to have an annual missions conference because it's that important. So it was like just because it was such a big part of your life as a former missionary, our church yeah. started to become more not just aware, but like it was brought to the forefront. Well, bringing, bringing missionaries basis. in, having a conference, the, the beauty is bringing the guys in from other fields that you may or may not yet be supporting financially um, so that the church body can get to know them just yeah. as brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned Will Lyon, for example. We brought Will in. You got to meet him. You got to know him. Now he's your buddy. Right, right. Well, you didn't ever know Will. We didn't no. have a conference to invite him to. And you could hang out together and go to a coffee shop and chat about life and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. In other words, people in our church have been transformed. That's, so I think the church members need to go on mission trips, if at all possible, if they can physically make it and if they can financially do it. Um, at some point in their life, they need to go on a short-term mission trip and just yeah. see the lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They're white already on the harvest. Mm -hmm. And you need to look, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes people can't leave to go do that. So the best we can, we help them look on the fields at least one yeah. week of the year. Yeah. When yeah. we bring, we bring the fields to our, we spend a little money and fly these people in mm -hmm. and bring them to our church and let them tell their stories and show their pictures. And mostly schedule time when our people can just hang out with them and and sit around and chat yeah. and get to know them a little better and have dinner together and that sort of thing and and that begins to change your perspective like wait a minute these are just regular dudes mm -hmm. who just made an executive decision that I'm going to go do this over here with people who've never heard before yeah and then you start dreaming you started right. thinking about it other guys start thinking about it well and because and, you know before you know it when you don't happening. know what missions is and you've never been on a trip, you assume that missions is, like you said, kind of mystical. And so you have to demystify it. But when I realized that like missions is just being a pastor somewhere else, like there's a lot more to it. I get that. There's a lot of things that I have to do that, you know, sometimes we say half the job of being a missionary is just staying on the field because there's so many governmental hoops to jump through and, oh, yeah. and money Listen, and support. Daily life is way harder. But really, I am. I'm a pastor here now. And so I'm now I'm a pastor in Hungary. We got to start the church, but that I was a pastor in right. America and then God asked me to go do that over here. And so when, when I realized right. that I was like, Oh, well, I want to be a pastor. Well, maybe, maybe I could do that somewhere else too someday. And that's when the, the burden was given. Well, that's just, that's just the basis of your, your whole view of, of missions and missiology. In other words, what is missions? I mean, it's so weird. Well, to me that's to true. Think there could that, be a lot of debate about that that I mean, statement it's I just so made. weird, right? People think that, I mean, if you understand missions properly, then you understand that it's just making disciples and starting churches yeah. all over the world. That's all it is. Absolutely. It's just doing what we do here, just do it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And whether that's 
you know, across the state. So, you know, we started a new church in Columbus, Ohio. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. It just happens to be English speaking. It's just only sure. a couple hours down the road. We started a church Judea in Budapest, Hungary. Yeah, yeah. It's going to cost a little more. It's going to be more of a sacrifice for you for sure. But the point is, is what are we doing? We're just making disciples yeah. and we're starting churches. That's all we're doing. However, that's not the mindset of a lot of people. A sure. lot of people are like, oh no, well, I'm going to be a I don't know, whatever. Fill in missionary. The blank missionary. I've heard some. Yeah, like I'm going to start. Magician I'm start missionary a is the weirdest one that I ever heard. I mean, I love magic. I love magicians. I'm into that. I think it's cool. Magician missionary. That's weird. Sorry. <laughs> Look, all these people that are missionaries and they don't forget that they don't start churches. This is what this is what blew me away when I got to Albania and I started seeing all these people that called themselves missionaries. <laughs> Not just that they didn't attempt to start churches. A lot of them didn't go to a church. Oof. Oof. It was the weirdest thing ever. And so you get all these people. Well, you, you got to you know, do one well, of the do. two. You got to either go to church or start a church so that you can go to that one. Like, you can't, you can't not do either. Oh, there's people that don't do either. Hey, hey. That's for sure. But they're, I don't know what they tell their supporters. I don't know. It's none of my business. I don't care. It bothers me, but it's, you know, whatever. At the end of the day, look, you, you know, you're doing, I'm doing humanitarian work. I'm a missionary. Okay, well, I mean, there's places that need humanitarian aid, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. And maybe that is your day job. As long as you are plugged into a church and making disciples also, like it, it, it goes back to your missiology. When you have that right missiology, like obviously you do, because we taught you right, mm -hmm. you, you see it in the scriptures. That's all Paul did. Yeah. They made disciples and started churches and ordained elders and commended them to the Lord, Acts mm -hmm. 14. I mean, that's what they did. Well, then... Well, then that's what you do. So then you're right. You do bottom line it. It does become easier. You start realizing, oh, I'm just a pastor. I was a pastor at home. I'm going to I'm going to relocate and be a pastor. There's some new things you got to learn on the way, of course. But It's harder mm -hmm. because in a lot of cases, you well, now I have to learn how to live in a different culture. I got to learn to speak a new language. Sure. It, it takes more time. It takes more commitment. That's why I think the Lord not only gives you more grace, but he also has some very special rewards for people who are willing to do it. Nevertheless, that's all it is. You're just making disciples, yeah. all nations. Just, Amen. I mean, it's just not that. How many times have we said this over and over again in our churches and people still don't get it? Like, it's, it's just amazing to me. This should be, this should be simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, for real. And you know, that would actually be a really good spot to wrap it up, but... I've got, I did have one more question for you, and I don't I actually don't think it'll take you much time um, because it, it goes back to earlier and you talking about your transition from senior pastor to missions pastor. I don't think I've had you work this yet on this podcast before, um, but I also have a terrible memory, so whatever. Here we go. Yeah. You, you've you've had this thing that you've told me before that you you call it your like personal heresy or something, which is which is silly. It's tongue in cheek, uh -oh. but the uh, the seasons of life thing. Uh, the 20, 30, oh, 50, yeah. I'd love for you to work that. But I, I think it's interesting. The reason why, the, the lead up to that is you spent 14 years in Albania. And then oddly enough, 14 years as lead pastor of FBC. That's, I mean, that's very ironic. I mean, um, exactly 14. So, you know, and that's 28 That's together. actually not true. Are you working so the sevens? No, that's not exactly <laughs> true. So the, the truth be told, I was only a senior pastor, a senior pastor here for 12 and a half. 12? Okay. All right. All right. Well, there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. So I lived a cut right. two and a so half you can't in say Atlanta, 14 and kind 14, of in between. Then. No, So you've no, been no, back. Exactly. Okay. I got you. Well, that's yeah. fine. That's fine. But anyway, so you've got this uh, little thing that you get from the scriptures, of course. Could you summarize the seasons of life thing in regards to ministry? And then I'm curious, 
if that has any um or 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 if you have any conclusions about what your role in ministry now is you've already kind of alluded to it but just not in regards to FBC as a church but in regards to you and the life that you've got left you know what is your role in ministry now yeah you know? for sure okay so very briefly uh without any notes in front of me um i think that when you view like you you take the the, the, the long view, you step back and you look at the panorama of, you know, what is a man's life? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Psalm 90 verse 10, you know, three score and 10. And if by reason of strength, four score. So a typical lifespan is between 70 and 80 years. And that is borne out by statistics of typical lifespans. It was the case back when that was written. It's mm-hmm. the case, you know, even now thousands of years later, um, the Bible basically refers to a person is not referred to as a man until he's 20. Mm-hmm. So you're basically a child until you're 20. Don't get all upset with me. I'm just uh, using an Israeli Israel. comparison. Yeah, okay. I was going to say. Hebrew. Yeah, the Israeli comparison the is mm-hmm. the idea that when a man is numbered as a man, when he's old enough to go to war, and that was numbered yeah. at age 20. I'm not military trying to draw a hard law for everybody. Right, but anyways, right. But military service was 20. And we're taking a very temple. broad... Yes, we're taking a very broad brush view here. Mm -hmm. So all I'm trying to say is the first 20 years of your life, you're a kid, you're growing up, you're figuring it out. You're learning. Uh, Don't get mad at me, teenagers. Your brain isn't done growing yet. You're figuring it out. You're learning life. You're just growing up. You don't have a ton of responsibility. Somebody else takes care of you. So, you know, thank the Lord for that. And then when you're 20, it's time for you to start to be a man and figure out what it is you're going to do. And so what you're going to find is that what I have observed in life over and over and over, I ask people all the time. So, so you're comparing the life experience with Bible principles that you're seeing. Yeah. Right. So there's some, there's some loose Bible principles and then an overwhelming amount of practical reinforcement just I've observed in my years. So in your 20s, if, if, you, if, you, if you got saved as a kid, if you got saved before you're 20 or around 20, if you got saved young enough in life, in your 20s is the, is the decade of training. That's the decade for you to, to grow up and figure out what you believe, why you believe it, what your life's going to be all about. So you spend your entire decade of your 20s, more or less, figuring out who you are in Christ and what you want to do for Christ. Mm-hmm. Then from 30 to 50, I consider to be the 20 most productive adult years of your life Hmm. because, and there's something about 30. Jesus didn't start his earthly ministry until he was 30. He was baptized at 30. He was led of the spirit into the wilderness. He was tempted of the devil and he began immediately then his earthly ministry. Why was Jesus not ready at 25? No, of course not. There's something more to that. Mm -hmm. You go back to the old Testament and the Levitical priesthood and they served in the temple from 30 to 50. That's when they Mm -hmm. served in the service of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so again, this isn't a law. This sure. is just a, just a, just a principle. So interestingly with that, I've just asked guys, when you got guys who are in vocational ministry, mm-hmm. tell me when you got started mm-hmm. over and over and over and over again. And it's what happened with you. Like you were preparing mm-hmm. bugging me from the time you were 20, 21, 22, 23. Hey, what about this? What about that? Mm-hmm. But as it turns out, the natural course of your preparation led you to actually relocate when you were 30. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, I was 30. 11 months. <laughs> well, there you go. You beat the curve, bro. Yep, Good yep, for you. Got him. Okay. So I was 30. Like it was, 
it, it just happens over and over and over again. Okay, and it so, doesn't mean that you don't serve in ministry before. Like I was actually on staff as a pastor at of FBC course. when I was 25, but you're still learning. You're still learning. But this is, but listen, the defining ministry for your life right, is, is right not now. youth pastor at FBC. Right. It's hungry. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. The defining ministry for my life is was not even school, First Baptist Church. Was it middle school It's Albania. Ministry? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's Albania. To this day, it's Albania. Well, like, though, I do what really I do. Though. Albania and FBC. I mean. Yes. Like, you, so it's not I was 20 to 30 to 50 hard lines. Like, give or take a yeah. few years. Yeah. So yeah. when I left Albania, I was 45. Okay, okay. Um, so, so you were getting towards the end, closer to 50. I was getting towards the end of that, yeah, yeah. Of that curve. Anyway. So then, anyways, just get back to my little, my little overview. And, mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to drag this out. So those are your most, why? Because I think that when you're 30, you're old enough to not be a kid, not be impetuous, not be foolish. You've learned enough. But you're young enough enough. to still have a ton of energy. Sure. Like, let me tell you something. If I I had to sign up and do what you're doing today, (laughs) it would just be really hard because I'm old and I get tired really fast. (laughs) Like it takes a ton of energy to start a new ministry in a new place, especially a foreign location. And you have to have that energy. From 30 to 50, you can pull that off. 50 to 70 is the next bracket. Mm. Where are you done? Of course you're not done. Right. So what is, what's the role of somebody who is beyond that 20 years of productive, fruitful ministry? Well, in my opinion, the primary role becomes that of the mentor and the teacher. Mm-hmm. And, and the role of the mentor and teacher should primarily be to be pouring into the lives of the guys in their 20s. Mm-hmm. Not 30 to 50, because the 30 to 50 guys are out there doing what they're doing already. But the guys in their 20s who are learning need to be learning from guys who have done it from 30 to 50 and then can be taught what to look out for and what to emphasize and what's important and what's not important and that sort of thing. So a guy in their 20s who's serious can take that advice and really, you know, point the boat in the right direction. So... So I'm in that phase. I'm in the 50 to 70. Well, what about if you're over 70? Well, we'll just keep doing it. I mean, by if by reason of strength, of strength man, praise God. Yeah, just keep doing it. Like there's no, there's, it's not a cap at 70. Yeah, I'm just making yeah. broad statements. Mm-hmm. But I do find this to be the case. Like, you know, and, and face it, when you get 80 or if, you know, my mother passed away a little over a year ago, she was 93. Well, look, when you get in your 90s, face it. You, there's your cognitive responsibility is is lower your physical abilities are lower your responses i mean everything about you is just it's just harder obviously Mm -hmm. so i mean while you have the ability then be always teaching training help if you can't do it yourself help somebody else go do it Mm -hmm. share the wisdom because in this stage from 50 to 70 a lot less energy sure but hopefully a lot more wisdom and time though, because you're, you're not, you don't have kids. So in that 30 to 50 range, not only are you out there plugging away, doing the ministry, you're also raising a family. So it's yeah. like, you have the least amount of time in the 30 to 50 range. Yeah. yeah. But it's been fun asking people in vocational ministry, you know, when'd you get your start? I challenge people, go ask That's people that story. You're going to hear right around 28 to 32 or something, some 28 to 32, yeah, 29 to 30. Like I'm telling you, it's going to be bracketed around 30. It just That's works out that way. It, Cause it takes those years to kind of get ready. So, well, so that's kind of the theory. Yeah. Well, what I think is interesting too, is it gives me ever since I've heard you say that before, it gives me just vision for like, okay, you're 31. You've got it. You've got a good, you know, it's, if the Lord tarries, of course, we do think he's coming back soon. So that, that 
changes things. But if the Lord tarries, man, you've got a 20-year run right now where you've, you're going to have the energy and the strength of a young man to really make an impact. And then, of course, it doesn't mean when you turn 50 that's over. But, like, you know, now's the time to, like, take what you learned in your 20s and to go for it as hard as you can until until you've got time. Yep. And then, you know, if I the agree. Lord's still not back when you're in your 50s and you're slowing down, it's like, okay, now the emphasis changes more to preparing the next generation of guys to go. And I, I think that can give you a, a broad, zoomed-out vision for your whole life and not just uh, making sure you've got a job all the time. <laughs> yeah, and, and of course, this isn't to judge anybody else's choices where they are in their age and what they're doing in their job description. Yeah, course, God bless you. But this has been my observation, and I find that it not just works out in the broad, you know, spectrum of God's servants. I just, it just works for me. Mm-hmm. And, and this is, I want to be in the role I'm in now because I find that I can be effective in this role. Sure. If I had the 30 to 50 role again, I could do it. If I had to, if, if I was tasked to go start over again, I wouldn't be afraid. Mm-hmm. I just know I wouldn't be as good at it as I used to. Gotcha. gotcha. I just wouldn't. Sure. I don't have the energy. I'm older. I'm or you grumpier, need to take a young guy you know? with you or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. Now that would be out. different. Bring like, if, yeah. And say yeah. like, you do run all the errands and yeah. let me just tell you what to do. Like, okay, maybe, but that's different. You right. know, it's well, no, like you role. said, anyway. it's not to say that there ain't guys in their sixties, early seventies, still killing it as senior pastors and doing great. And, and, but they're starting new works, but God, they're God also making sure that they're training and discipling the young guys because they know yeah. that they don't have forever. Of course, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was a great conversation, man. We're at the time. Uh, thanks again. That was great. Always good to talk to you and flip the mics on while we're doing it. Yeah, that was my pleasure. Thanks a lot. Well, there you go, guys. Uh, lots of good stuff there. Lots of little one-liners. Lots of good things about being self-aware of where you're at in ministry and not just you know not just dawdling along in your life and trying to keep a job or a position or a title, but really having a vision for how are you fulfilling the Great Commission, whether that's in the, you know, at a certain time of your life and going out and doing it, or, or that's preparing for the mission, or you're, you're in that later stage of life where not only are you doing the mission, but you're specifically and intentionally investing in the younger generation so that they can continue. That's how we keep this thing going until the Lord comes back. So hope you liked it. Hope you learned a lot. Until next time, God bless. Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe and share us on social media. Also, please make sure to check out our other podcast, Theology Roundtable, at theologyroundtable.com.